Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Excited for the word tonight? You excited for the word tonight? I'm excited for this one. Uh, I'm really excited. There's, there's some words that you're just excited for. I'm excited for this one. Uh, it's titled Making Adjustments. Making Adjustments. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Uh, I chose to read this, these passages of scripture out of the message paraphrase only because I love how Eugene Peterson decided, uh, you know, translated these passages of scripture. And, and I feel like they're a lot more relatable. Sometimes Romans can be a very deep and, and, and thought-provoking book. And I, th- I love how Eugene Peterson portrays these chapters. And it is one of the most practical uh, portions of scripture that we have in all of the Bible. And so I really want us to, to be able to get everything that we can from out of this. This is Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Or another version says, uh, be, renew- be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's the, the, saying you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. We're going to jump to Romans 14. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Welcome with open arm, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they say or do something that you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong in opinions but weak in the faith department. Come on. Don't look to your right or your left, but there's some people in here. We love you, but it's true, all right? Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. For instance, a person who has been around for a while might be well convinced that he can eat anything on the table, while another with a different background might assume he should only be a vegetarian and eat accordingly. But since both are guests at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude if they fell to, if, if they fell to criticizing what the other ate or didn't eat? God, after all, invited them both to the table. Do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome. If there are corrections to be made or manners to be learned, God can handle it without your help. I'm going to read that one more time. I think we need that. God can handle it without without our help. Amen. Come on, can we pray real quick? Lord, we thank you so much. God, we thank you. You are going to adjust some things in our lives. We thank you that you're so good. We love you with all of our heart in your name. Amen. Uh, the book of Romans is actually thought of as one of the greatest pieces of literature ever written in, in the history of the world. Not just biblically, but actually secularly and in, in secular literature, it is thought of as one of the greatest pieces of literature written, um, believed to be written by the, the Apostle Paul. He put pen to paper writing to the Roman citizens. Uh, what makes it so amazing is it actually within 16 chapters encapsulates our life and our walk with God. 
in chapters 1 through 4, it takes us, um, uh, sorry, 1 through 3, it takes us on our problem that is sin. It shows us that without Jesus, we are all broken, we are all hurting, and we are all in need of a Savior. That we are not inherently good, but we are actually inherently bad. That we are born into sin. We are not, we, are, we, we don't become sinners because we sin. We were born sinners, and that's why we sin. That we are all born as sinners, and we need a Savior. So chapters 1 through 3 begins to walk us through what we looked like before we met Jesus. What we looked like, how our soul looked, how we acted, how our character looked. Chapters 4 and 5 is the provision of Jesus. It begins to talk about why Jesus came and who our protection is and who our provider is and who's the person who died for us and how can we receive it, not by our works, but by our faith. And by our faith, through grace, we are saved. In chapters 4 and 5, it talks about the provision that is Jesus. In chapters 6 through 8, it talks about the power over sin and that we have victory in God, that we no longer have to be bound to our past, bound to our addictions, bound to our shame, but we actually have... Victory. Chapters 9 through 11, it begins to tackle the predicament of our present thinking. He begins to say you are stuck because of the old ways of thinking, the old ways of living, and the old ways of approaching life. There needs to be a change. And then in chapters 12 through 16, the, the, the narrative begins to change. Everything was about Jesus and what he's done for us. But chapters 12 through 16 now begins to say, hey, this is what your life should look like when you meet God. That there is a standard in which you're supposed to live by. There is character changes that should be, should be happening. There's ways of thinking that should begin to change. Ways of viewing life that should begin to change. Ways of speaking that should begin to change. And chapters 12 through 16 is a practical map to how we are supposed to live as Christians in life. And I think that we have no problem with chapters 1 through 4. I think we all can say that we live in a broken world. I think we all can say that, that when we get cut off on the California highway, that people are sinful and they need Jesus. Um, I think if we turn on the news for longer than five minutes, we can all agree that something is wrong. Something is missing. Something is not working. So I don't think we have problems with chapters 1 through 3. I actually don't think we have a problem with chapters 4 and 5 where it talks about the provisions of Jesus. I actually think we love that. That's a message we all can agree with because we love the grace of Jesus because it wipes away our sin. It wipes away our past. It wipes away our shame. It wipes away our hurt. And we become a new creation in Christ because of his grace and through our faith. I think we have no problem with that. I actually don't think we have a problem with, 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 with the victory that God gives us. We all want victory in life. We all want prosperity. We all want freedom. We all want these things. We don't have a problem with God breaking some maybe old ways of thinking and some religious mindsets. But I do think where we run into a problem with Romans is the last four chapters on practically living out our Christian walk. I do think we have a problem with that. I do think sometimes we struggle with that. I do think sometimes that's the area that, that, that we almost get frustrated with God and saying, okay, God, you know, I like that you gave me grace. I like that you gave me all these things, but um, there's a couple things in my life that I don't feel comfortable that you're changing. I, I, I don't feel comfortable that you're adjusting this. See, God gave us a standard. He gave us a law. He gave us something to live by. In Romans chapter 7, Paul goes in depth about this and how the law is not evil because we could not keep it. It shows us that we need Jesus. See, oftentimes we look at the law in religious settings and say the law is bad. 
Religion is bad. Yes, it is. But religion is more of a state of mind, not the, the list of laws that God gave us. The Ten Commandments was a law and a standard that God set for all of us to live by. But when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us access to the Holy Spirit who can give us the ability to live by it. So, so, so Paul talks about in Romans 7, there's a standard that you need to live by. There's a law that you need to live by. And on your own, you cannot do it. On your own strength and your own religious thinking, you cannot change how you, who you are and how you are. But God can give you the Holy Spirit to allow you to adjust to his standard. But what I think we like to do as Christians is the opposite. We use grace and we justify our broken areas and we justify our hurt areas and we justify the areas that are not up to God's standard. And instead of allowing God to adjust us to his standard, we adjust God to our standard and whatever is comfortable in our life. This is where Romans 12 starts out. See, I love Paul because he doesn't pull any punches. He sets them all up. Guys, this is a free gift. This is amazing. Come on. They're all cheering. And then Romans 12 comes in. Yeah, I don't want you to be so fit into your culture that you, you fit in without even what I've been noticing. So don't become so well adjusted to how everyone else is living that you don't even realize that you are not different. You are exactly the same. That you, you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to bring you to his standard, but you continue to live by your own standard. See, I think we do this because it's more comfortable that way. It's comfortable to try to adjust God to where we're at instead of allowing God to bring us where he's at. And we use grace as a cop-out tool. Grace wipes away my sin. It wipes away my shame. It wipes away everything. I'm good. And we have now used grace, the justifying grace of God, as a justification for our brokenness rather than allowing the grace that empowers us to become more like God each and every day and saying, God, I'm not going to bring you down to my level. Bring me up to yours. See, Romans 12 was just the beginning. It begins to show us now every step of the way from Romans 12 on. It's giving us practical things that we need to adjust in our life. And it says, first, you need to adjust. And how? By your thinking, by renewing your mind. So it's saying you need to begin to change how you think about things. And another version, when it says uh, renew your mind, it, 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 it talks about the, being able to discern the good, the perfect, the pleasing will of God. So what that's saying, and theologians believe it's super deep, it's crazy. They're saying, how do you discern the good, the perfect, the pleasing will of God is actually think practical about life. It's saying not only is it a spiritual renewing of your mind, but it's actually a practical renewing of your mind, which means that you may get into some situations and some places that you're like, I actually probably shouldn't be here. This is not God's best for me. This is not how God desired me to live. And practically, we, 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 we not just think it, but we begin to live it. Because to renew your mind is not to just to hear, to hear the voice of God, but it is to obey. And every time you hear it and to obey it, it you, you renew your mind a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And guess what? Renewing your mind to God's mind is not comfortable. It's not comfortable. God is saying, let me take you to a new standard, a new level of thinking. And my ways are higher than your ways. My thinking is higher than your thinking. So allow me to take you on a little journey. But we want God to come on a journey with us. It's so interesting. See, um, I, I, I have a hobby. Um, each and every Monday night, I play basketball. Um, I know I don't look like a stud basketball player, but don't let me fool you. Um, don't let my white five foot nine frame fool you. Um, I'm not very good, but it's okay. 
right? I love to play basketball. One of the things I love to do is I'm glad I'm a pastor because I go to church and I look for the tallest person in church. So if you're tall, I probably will be talking to you after service because I'm looking for a big man. Um, But I go look for the tallest person in church and I'm like, do you play basketball? And if they say yes, I'm like, awesome. How tall are you, about 6'5"? Yeah, I'm about 6'5". Cool. I have a rule. If you are 6'5 and taller, I will pay for you to play. You don't have to pay. I need you, right? So I will look for people who are tall. Um, this, this, this habit began when I was a freshman in Bible college. Um, I needed to have an activity. I needed to get out of the house. So I started this basketball team. And I was, there was a, a guy in our, our Bible college who was about 6'5", 6'6", played basketball his whole life. I'm like, you are a perfect candidate for my team. And I was like, you are a free agent. Like LeBron James, I'm going to convince you to be on my team. I will pay for you. There's perks. There's an endorsement deal. Whatever you need, you're on my team. So I paid for it. It was amazing. See, I'm not as good as I used to be because when I was single, I was better at basketball. It's because I needed some sort of activity when the impure thoughts would come in my head to go and practice basketball. So I practiced for a long time. Because I was like, I'm playing until these go away. So I'm shooting, shooting, shooting. So for hours, I would shoot. I got married. I don't play as much basketball. I'll tell you that much. It just happened, all right? There's other activities I can do now by the grace of God, all right? But back in my freshman year of college, woo! I was playing for like two hours straight, y'all. For real. So my jumper was nice. Now, if you know anything about basketball, white people like to do one thing. It's to sit behind the three-point arc and let everyone else who's good at basketball pass them the ball and so I can shoot my three-pointer. That's all I wanted. I wanted my guy who was six foot five to grab me rebounds, kick it back out, and so I can practice my jumper once again because I've been practicing to keep away the impure thoughts in Jesus' name. So I'm thinking our team is going to be amazing. This guy's six foot five. He's six foot, you know, he's talented. He's played basketball his whole life. This is it. So we get to our first game. And I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing, pushing guys. You know, I have my earphones in. Um, I'm just, I'm hype. It's a men's league. No one is there. All right? <laughs> like, I, I honestly, you, you would swear I was playing at Staples Center. I'm like trying to jump and gr- slap the backboard. Like, try to prove the other guys. Like, I, I got some hops. All right? Um, this, is, this is my life. This is how I think. And so um, the game starts. And I pass the ball to my friend. And uh, he's behind the three-point arc, and he's a big guy, so I expect him to be in the post, right? You know, so he, he shoots the ball the first time he touches it. I'm like, bro, that's not your role. Get in the post. I'm like, I'm mad. I'm coaching him now. I'm like, come on, give me the ball. Let me shoot. You do the rebounding, all right? So I'm mad. All right, that was just one time. Mistake. All right, he won't do it again. I'm not joking. Every time he would touch the ball, even if it was at like half court, he was hucking up a shot. I was like, bro, I paid for you to play. You're terrible. I'm so mad. And then I noticed something. Every time he would shoot the ball, he wasn't looking at the rim. He was looking at this girl in the stands that he was trying to talk to. I was like, hold up. Did she pay for you to play or did I pay for you to play? You don't play for her. You play for me because I paid the price. It was 75 bucks. I worked at Macaroni Grill. No joke. I made $8 on a paycheck at Macaroni Grill. I paid everything I had. I emptied my savings account for this guy, and he was playing for this girl. If she didn't show up to a game, guess who didn't show up to the game? Him. I'm like, uh-uh. So I pulled him aside. He's like, this is for real. Come on, sit down. 
I paid the price. You don't play for her. You play for me. You play for me. It's so interesting. I know this is a funny story, but how often do we play and live life for people who did not pay the price for us? See, in Romans chapter 14, in Romans chapter 14, Paul is adjusting something. And I think one of the biggest things that we need adjusted in our life is who we live for and who we base our decisions off of. Because oftentimes, especially in church, we are looking to the person to the right or to the left. If they approve of it, then that's what we do. Rather than listening to the voice of God and saying, God, what are you saying? Even sometimes we look to church leadership more than we look to the Holy Spirit. We oftentimes are trying to call the pastor instead of hitting our knees and saying, God, what are you saying right now in my life? We live our life for people who did not pay the price. We live our life based off what we feel and our emotions. Sometimes we, if our emotions say life is bad, we get into a tailspin with God instead of going to the voice of God and saying, adjust who I'm living for. Some of us, we live for our finances. Our relationship with God is completely tied to whether we have money in the bank account or not. And we live for something and someone that did not pay the price. It's so interesting to me how God is trying to adjust in the Romans who they're living for. Because they're all coming from different backgrounds, different histories, different families, different struggles, and they all have different convictions. See, what Paul is talking about in Romans 14 is not the black and white issues like the Ten Commandments and the things that God says, this is sin and this is not sin. He's talking about the gray area issues that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, your personal convictions. That God is saying, because guess what? God knows your history. God knows your family. God knows your struggle. And he is going to speak to you and say, these areas you need to stay far away from. Because if you do, you will fall into a pattern that is not healthy. So let me adjust it in you. But oftentimes what we do is we base our personal convictions off of what the person to our right and to our left is doing. And if they're doing something contrary to what we feel God is saying, for us to do in our personal convictions, we spend more of our time criticizing them than listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be adjusted to God's way of thinking if we're consumed with how somebody else is living or not living. See, sometimes we hold people to a standard we don't even hold to ourselves because we don't live, we live for them. We, we are always looking to our right and to our left. What was Saul's downfall? It says he kept a keen eye on David. He was always looking at David. He was always comparing to David. He was always jealous of David. And what was David doing? He was living for, the, for, 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 for God. He was saying, I'm a, I'm a man after God's own heart. David was not perfect. David fell. David made mistakes. But what David got right was who he lived for. Because he understood who paid for him. He understood who created him. He understood that Saul didn't create him, so Saul could not determine his destiny. He understood that Jonathan, his best friend, didn't pay for him, so he wasn't going to change how he lived because his best friend was with him. He says, I am going to live for one person and one person only. Even when his wife says, why are you dancing like that? Why are you worshiping like that? He says, I'm worshiping God, so I don't care if you're my wife. I love my God, and that's who I'm living for. Romans 14, verses 6 through 9, it says, What's important is in 
All of this is that you keep a holy day. Keep it for God's sake. If you eat meat, eat it to the glory of God and thank God for prime rib. I will thank God for prime rib. Come on, Lord. We thank you. If you're a vegetarian, eat vegetables to the glory of God and thank God for broccoli. None of us are permitted to insist our own way in in these matters. It's God who we are answerable to all the way from life to death. Everything in between, not each other. That's why Jesus lived and died and then lived again so that he could be our master across the entire range of life and death and free us from the petty tyrannies of each other. Free us not from the addiction, not from the poverty, not from the shame, to free us from the petty tyrannies of each other. Sometimes we live more subject to the opinion of someone else than we ever did to an addiction to a drug. Sometimes we live more in prison to our, to our bank account than we ever did when we were in sin. And we were looking at their bank account saying they have this, they have that car, they have this house. I only have this. God, where are you? I thought you were my provider. And we determine our worship. We determine how we attend church. We determine how we treat people. We, and then we begin to become rude and callous and jealous. And we block people out that God has called us to bring in. All because we aren't living for the right person. And then God is trying to adjust and saying, let me up your standard in who you live for. Let me change this a little bit. Because you do not answer to the person to the right or to the left. You answer to me. One day. We will get to the end of our life. One day our time on earth will end. And you are not going to answer to your family. You are not going to answer to your pastor. You are not going to answer to your small group leader. You are not going to answer to your friends. You're not going to answer to the opinions of people. You're going to answer to one person and one person only. And it's the one who came and lived and died and died on the cross for you. And his name is Jesus. And when he looks at you, he's not going to say, hey, what did your friends tell you to do? He's not going to say, hey, did your friends sway you to disobey me? When I said step out and it made no sense to everyone else and they said, hey, why are you giving that money to that church? I don't know. God said give. God said sponsor a kid to Summerfest. It doesn't make sense, but God said do it. God, God, God said to step out and pray for my family each and every morning at 5 a.m. I know that it's extra time, but there's something on the inside. I've got to do it. And people are going to look at you and say, that's crazy. Why are you doing that? And when we get to heaven, we're answering to one thing. Is did we listen to the voice of God when he spoke? One of the craziest verses, it says, when you hear the voice of God and to disobey the voice of God is sin. See, we set the standard of sin that some things that God maybe didn't a personal conviction. But if God gives you a personal conviction and you disobey that, then that's sin. And what God is saying is, who are you living for? Who sets your standards? Who sets your convictions? It cannot be your neighbor. It cannot be your friend. It cannot be your grandma. It's got to be Jesus. See, your friends did not pay the price for you. Your family didn't pay the price for you. Your children did not pay the price 
for you. Your finances did not pay the price for you. Guess what? Your desires did not pay the price for you. Your emotions, your feelings, your humanity did not pay the price for you. Only one person came to this earth and the keys can come on up and paid the price for you. And his name is Jesus. See, Jesus came down from heaven. 100% man, 100% God. Why? Because when he was 100% man, that means he felt what we felt. So when you felt rejected, guess who felt rejected? Jesus. When you felt alone, guess who felt alone? Jesus. When you felt hurt by people, guess who felt hurt by people up on that cross? Jesus. When you felt hopeless, guess who else felt hopeless? Jesus. When you felt like the the, the anxiety of life, guess who felt that anxiety? Jesus. Jesus. When you felt depressed, guess who felt depressed? Jesus. When he came as a man, he walked through what we walked through, went through what we went through, and to show us that we can overcome as human beings. And when he died on the cross, he took every single thing on him. Everything that you've ever felt, everything you've ever gone through, every diagnosis, every broken bone, everything in life. Your poverty, your, your hurt, your bitterness, the times that that person spoke over you and you still hear those words. He took that. He said, I'm going to pay the price for you. I'm paying the price. See, it had to be 100% man because it had to be someone who walked through what we walked through. But it had to be 100% God because it had to be perfect and spotless. Jesus was perfect. Though he walked through what we walked through, went through what we went through, and felt what we felt, he did not give in to the standard of the culture, but he rose above it by the Holy Spirit. So when he died, that access to that spirit that he had became open to you and I. And so now we can live for someone who actually paid the price for our life. Who paid the price for your freedom, Dream Center? Guess what? Dream Center did not pay the price for your freedom. Jesus did. So you do not, you're not free just because you're in a program. You're free because you have the Holy Spirit. So when you step outside that program, you're going to stay free. When you step outside that program, your family is going to be healed. When you step outside that program, there's destiny walking in you. When you step outside that program, there's something that begins to shake in this world. Because guess who paid the price for you? Jesus. Jesus paid the price for all of us to be who he's called us to be. I don't know if I can live up to that standard. On your own, you can't. But there's a standard you can live by. If you live according to the person who paid the price. See, when Jesus cashed that check for your life, He gave it to you and he says, you can use it if you want to. I'm a young person. I don't really use checks anymore. Like I'm newsflash. I love you guys, but I don't like get the concept of them. You know, online transfer me money, like Venmo, all, all that stuff, right? When you get a check or even when you get Venmo, you get an opportunity When they send you money, you can either accept it and download it or you can just let it sit there. I didn't know that checks had an expiration date. So when I was like 16, I got a bunch of checks for my birthday and I was excited, but I forgot to go to the bank. And for a year, I left them there. And I found it later, I was like, oh cool, 
I'll go cash these checks. And they're like, oh, sorry, they're expired. I was like, what? It's because you never cashed them, sir. There's an expiration date. See, that's when Jesus died on the cross for us and he paid the price. It's like he gave you a check. He downloaded that grace. He downloaded the ability to update to his standard and not to yours. He said, here, you can be someone better than you are right now. You can think differently. You can live differently. You can talk differently. You can be free. You can change the course of your family. You can change the course of generations of curses. You can do it. But you've got to choose to cash it. The only expiration date on that check is living here on earth. So as long as you've got breath, there's no expiration. So don't miss another moment to cash in the grace that Jesus paid the price for. And it is so much more than wiping away your sin and your shame. Grace cannot be diluted down to a get out of jail free card because that's a slap in the, fr- slap in the face to what Jesus actually did on the cross. It was so much more than getting out of hell. It was so much more than, a, than sealing our eternal destiny in heaven. It's saying while you're living in hell here on earth, when everything is crashing around you, you do not have to sink back to your old ways of living. But I have given you a standard to live by that can get you free and you can live with heaven here on earth even when it seems like hell. And I can give you the ability to think differently. I don't care if your parents were racist, you're gonna begin to accept all races into your family, that God is gonna begin to break down wrong thinking. God is going to begin to break down wrong, wrong ways of believing. And he's going to say, let me bring you to my standard. Romans 12, do not become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even realizing. My question today is how, how many of us have done that with God? We allow culture that does not have the same standard as us to adjust our standard to theirs see they have not had the revelation that you and I have that Jesus paid the price and that I no longer have to live by that so why are we adjusting to a standard that is not applicable anymore and why do we look at people who don't know Jesus and judge them and say why aren't you living at my standard well they don't know what that standard is yet but you do And Jesus is speaking tonight and saying, let me adjust how you think and let me adjust who you're living for. I don't want to be that guy on the basketball team who's just trying to take my shot in life, looking to the right and to my left if I'm pleasing my neighbor or my friend or or my coworker and saying, did I do it right? Did you like that? Oh, you didn't like it? I'm sorry. I won't do that again. Jesus was not a people pleaser. He just fed 5,000 people and people were excited. There was a crowd. It says 5,000 men, which means there's probably around 15,000 people, which is bigger than our forward conference. And he fed all of them and they were going crazy. They're like, this guy's legit. And then Jesus says something so crazy at the end of that chapter. He says, if you're one of my true disciples, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everyone's like, yo, that guy is crazy. <laughs> and they all bounce. And the only people left was the 12 because they had nowhere else to go. They had given everything else up. Sometimes following Jesus is not necessarily following a crowd. 
Sometimes Jesus is going to say, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's your reasonable sacrifice, it says in Romans chapter 12, to just sacrifice your life, to live to his standard. He says, that's your reasonable service. So your reasonable service, the smallest thing you can do is allow me to transform how you think and bring you up to my standard. So there's going to be times that God says, hey, I don't want you talking like that anymore. Jesus, you don't understand. These people are crazy on the road. I got a lot, like one cuss word, Jesus. Come on. No, I don't want you talking like that. Look at your family. Look at the people in the back seats. I don't want you talking like that. And there's standards that God begin to set in your life. Like I said, sometimes it's not following a crowd, but it's following Christ. He's the one who paid your price. We believe in a crowd. The thing I love about Greg Laurie and Harvest and all that we're joining with them is because it's not just about gathering people. It's about reaching people to show them who paid the price for their life. Gathering by the thousands as a crowd to meet the one, which is Jesus. We're partnering with that. Each and every week we partner with that. Can we stand to our feet? We're going to close. I believe tonight the Holy Spirit is just going to begin to speak. There's some areas in your life that you need to begin to allow God to adjust. Someone God is adjusting your thinking on giving. You think that you're giving to an organization, but God says you're not giving to an organization, you are giving to me. And generosity is more than just giving of your money, it's giving of everything. God is trying to open up your hand and you become generous with your life with your time, with your talent, with your finances. God is trying to open you up to people and the reason you have been closed off is because you have been hurt in the past, been taken advantage of. But God is saying, don't allow people to adjust your standard, adjust to what I've called you to do. So if people hurt you, guess what? That doesn't change how you live. If church hurt you, that doesn't mean you leave because you're not here for the church. You're here for me. You're here for me. God's adjusting some things tonight. Can we pray? Can we lift our hands? Can we lift our hands and just surrender? Surrender those things that God, and say, that, that God is trying to adjust. Surrender those areas in our lives that we've been holding on to and that we've adjusted. We've tried to adjust God's standard to our standard because it's more comfortable. And allow the Holy Spirit for a moment to begin to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable and begin to re- re- reveal the things in your life. Maybe it's in your marriage. Husband, maybe God is speaking to you that it is not her fault. It is your fault. Begin to adjust how you live, adjust how you think about her, adjust how you talk to her. Wife, God is maybe speaking to you today to be more affirming, more uplifting, more encouraging. God is beginning to adjust the standard of our marriages right now. He's adjusting the standard of our families right now. Parents, we don't live, we don't parent by the the, the standard of culture. We parent by the standard of the word of God. God is beginning to adjust that right now. Single people, God is adjusting the standard of how you live when you're single. You can be pure. You can be holy. You can, you can stand before God and say, God, I am living the right way. It is not impossible. God is adjusting to your standard. There's a dating couple right now. You have not been living according to the standard of God. You haven't been waiting. But the thing about grace is it sets you free from that. But God is saying tonight, adjust your standard to my standard. Let's just lift our hands. Jesus, we thank you tonight. Let's just begin to worship and worship tonight. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.